The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome, New Covenant Community Church to this recording that's being recorded on Thursday, April the 23rd. Uh, we're glad that you're able to join us uh, in this way. We certainly hope uh, that you have gotten the invites to be part of our drive-in services. We have been having a great time. Uh, I, we hate it to one degree, not being able to fellowship like we usually do, but we're also thankful that the Lord has provided a way for us to still gather in that way and to still be able to preach and to worship and to do all of those things. So we're grateful for those things, but we're also grateful for technology like this that allows you to watch or listen to the sermon at a later time. Uh, or if you're sitting on, in your home on Sunday morning, you're able to tune in with us as well. And we're certainly grateful for those things. Uh, if you are in your home hearing this message for the first time or perhaps even for the second time, I'd invite you to turn your Bibles to First Peter chapter 5, the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. If a general has an army and they're in battle and this particular army wins and they experience great victory as they partake in war, it's vitally important that the general and, and that the army is communicated that they have united together an exit strategy. Because even if an army is having wonderful victories, if they don't have a properly thought-out, methodical exit strategy that tells which soldiers when to leave, to go to which locations, and what to take with them, what to leave in the battlefront, if they don't have a properly executed exit strategy, even if there are wonderful victories, there can be great losses in the exit from a battle, in the exit from a trialsome time. And they call, if, 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 a, if an army were to exit from a battle and it not be a, a properly executed exit strategy, they can lose what they call blood and treasure, being lives and supplies that they could lose if they don't have a properly executed exit strategy. We're in the book of 1 Peter, and as many of you know that have been with us, we've been in the book of 1 Peter for a while, and today we'll mark the last day that we'll preach in the book of 1 Peter as we see its conclusion. And the setting of this book has been uh, the church, God's children, in the year 64 AD, being the first people that read the book of 1 Peter as God's holy inspired word of this section of scripture they received it first in 64 AD and we know of the church at that time that they suffered much much persecution there were fires in Rome there was a battle going on if you will there were these fires that started in Rome that burned much of the city that burned for many days was a complete catastrophe and no one really even to this day knows exactly how those fires began but the Christians were blamed for it and even if the fires weren't there the Christians were already being persecuted greatly by the Roman government in those times now even though they were in this battle there were some great wins and some great victories that the Christians experienced in their walk with the Lord and as, as the church together. As they read these words of God for the first time, they learned some things like 
the sufferings that they were experiencing. Those things were praising God. That the, the sufferings they were experiencing was proof of their sonship and God's kingdom. God's church then and even now, they were reminded back then that they were redeemed with precious blood. That they were chosen of God. That they were not cheaply bought. That God was not letting them experience this trial in some flippant kind of way. No, God was, was treasuring them and molding them and shaping them through these very trials sometimes. And, and God even gave them a great instruction of how to go through those times together. That they were to love one another with a unity that would bring them together through these trials. They learned about things like submission to government and authorities like employers and how to get through times, how, to, how times to go through difficult times for things to go well for God's people. God was giving them those kinds of pieces of instruction. Things like the roles of men and women and how husbands have a role and wives have a different kind of role. Both vitally important, but both very different. God was giving them these wonderful, wonderful pieces of instruction god was telling them things like it was okay to suffer for doing good don't suffer for doing wrong god says to his children but it's okay if you're suffering these things will shape you they'll mold you these things will help you in the long run now god was using as we know this time in history to teach and to mold and to shape his children and i would even say perhaps we could compare what we have gone through as a culture as a church with this coronavirus we could relate it to what it was like that they went to. Certainly not to the extreme. Christians are not being beheaded all over the place like they were in the year 64 AD. But it was a challenging time. It's been a, a struggle time. It's been a war, if you will, that we have gone through together. And there have been some great victories. There have been some great victories in our families that have been spending more time together. There's been some great things that we have overcome in our individual lives and as our walk as a Christian before God. We've been loving our neighbors again. There have been some great victories in these things. And God in His perfect wisdom and foreknowledge, He knew that for the church of 64 AD that there would be a time of exiting out of that difficult time. And sure enough, a number of years after the year 64 AD, there was signed something called the Edict of Milan. And this was a document that was written and signed by some of the emperors in the area. And that edict, what that, what that document proclaimed was that Christianity was no longer forbidden. That Christians could gather together, it was legalized. That Christians could, could come together and worship the Lord Jesus Christ and do what they did. It, was, it marked the exit of, those, of that war, of that trial some time. And what I'd like to do today is to preach to you about the three exit strategies that God gave His church, that God gave His bride, that God gave His people in the year 64 A.D. And it just so happens, church, that I believe that these three exit strategies that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 so very perfectly match the exit strategy for you and me as we now are looking into the future knowing that we are very likely going to be coming out of the trial sometime called the coronavirus. As we come out of that time, the exit strategy, three exit strategies that I'll give you. And if you're in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, we look to verse 1 where it says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness, of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, 
nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In other words, what God is saying to His church, what God is saying to His people in this exit strategy, the things that they need to know as they prepare to exit out of this difficult situation is to be humble towards each other. To, for the leaders, for the leaders of the church, to, to be humbled before Christ, to be an example to the flock, for the younger to, to honor and respect and, to, and to, to be in a submission to each other, that we all ought to have this submission towards one another. Now, most of us would all say that it's good that we ought to honor and respect each other, but it would certainly be very old-fashioned to say and to be able to preach that, that young people still ought, the Bible still teaches that young people should respect their elders and respect those in authority and all the parents that are listening right now are saying amen but now you young people don't think that pastor ben is is beating you down and bashing on you this applies to me this applies to elders someone is always older than who you are and what the bible tells me is that i am not in some kind of high position over people there are elders in this church the elders of new covenant community church that serve as elders alongside me as an elder of this church they are actually older than me. I am to submit to them and to, to, to honor and, and to respect them. Jesus is the chief shepherd of New Covenant Community Church. Pastors are sometimes called under-shepherds, with Jesus being the chief shepherd. If, if someone were to ask you, who's the leader of New Covenant Community Church? The short answer is not, oh, Ben Schwederman is the pastor and leader of New Covenant Community Church. No. If you feel like it, say, Pastor Ben is the under-shepherd. He's been entrusted of God to lead the people, but the chief shepherd, the true leader of New Covenant Community Church is Jesus. So, exit strategy number one. We are to act in humility towards one another. Exit strategy number one. We are to act in humility towards one another. Old and young alike, we're to act in humility towards one another. And you say, Pastor Ben, why? Why is it that we are to do those things? Why is it that God gives us that instruction as an exit strategy out of difficult situations? And the answer, I believe, is simply because God promises to give a special kind of grace to people that are acting humbly towards each other in that kind of way. And the Bible says that God resists those who don't. Uh, we will soon be experiencing our world our culture, our schedules, getting back to somewhat what was more what we would call normal, quote-unquote. And, and with that, one of the things that we know will be happening is that churches will be opening back up to have people inside of their sanctuaries again. And, and we, hopefully in the near future, will be able to do that as well. And here's what I know will happen. Is that when people come back in, the people will represent a very large scale. And this present before the coronavirus really started to kick into gear and and when it was full swing and even after when we get back to things and it's and it's on the decline where there will be a scale of concern upon which we will have a, a, a multiple people that represent different areas on this scale of concern on one end of the scale there will be people that are that are taking a lot of precautions there will be 
mask-wearing, hand-washing, hand-sanitizer-in-the-gun-holster type of people. And on the other end of the scale, there will be people who have taken no precautions whatsoever and will continue to take no precautions whatsoever. And you'll have everyone in the middle of all that representing that entire scale. Now, here's what I want to say about that. Is if someone wants to take massive precautions, that's okay. If someone wants to not take the precautions that people on this side may be taking, that is okay. Uh, We are not in a position, church. I am not in a position. You are not in a position. We are not in a position to... to so. How prideful would we have to be to say, here's where I land on the scale and everyone else should do exactly what I'm doing. Regarding this issue, we, we don't have the place. What God has called us to do is we exit out of this is to say that we're humbled before each other. That we're, we're, we're giving, God is going to give all of us in the weeks, perhaps months ahead. God is going to give you and me, He's going to give all of us a massive, welcoming invitation to show immeasurable grace and compassion to the people around us. That will happen. And, and I don't know about you, but the reason that, that I want to, to make sure that I'm humbled, to make sure that I'm treating others and, and, and letting them walk through this time and, and not being so prideful as to think that everyone should be doing what I'm doing is because I don't want God to resist me. I don't want to come to a place of pride where God would resist me, but I want to be elevated by God because I'm, I'm humbled by, by, towards the people around me. And can I just say, the Lord has done some wonderful work among us and in your individual lives. We know of many of those things. Uh, what a shame it would be as, as we're drawing out of this difficult time, as we're embarking on this exit strategy to, to lose blood and treasure, as it were. As we leave this battle to lose some of the precious things that we have gained during this time. Now if you look will, if you, with me, if you will, to verse 6 where it says, Therefore, Humble yourselves. Therefore, since, the, since you are called, God says, to be in, in submission to each other, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Now, underneath that first exit strategy, we have a sub-point that I'd like for you to write up underneath that one. Exit strategy number one, sub-point, simply says, to truly act in humility towards people is to act in humility towards God. And you say, Pastor Ben, why? And I believe the reason is is because we cannot rightly honor and submit to and love the people around us. We cannot rightfully and truly do those things unless we're also honoring their Creator. You You cannot be in pride and opposition of the created being. You cannot be against them, but before the Creator. Uh, what would you do if someone looked at you and said, I hate uh, Ford truck engineers. I, I hate Ford truck engineers. I hate their work. I hate what they do. And I hate what they produce. I hate Ford truck engineers. But I love Ford truck engineering. If someone said that to you, you'd look at them and scratch your head and you'd think, isn't that a self-refuting? Doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And, and if you would say to them, well, what do you mean? How, how can you hate Ford truck engineers and all their work and all that they do, but 
but love Ford truck engineering. If someone persisted in that, you would write them off, rightfully so, as crazy. For someone to say that I have no use of God, I don't need God to forgive my sins. I'll, 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 I'll handle that day when it comes. But then to also say that you want to truly love and nurture and cherish relationships with and honor and submit to and respect God's creations, it doesn't make any sense. To love one is to, is to care about the other and vice versa. That's why when we get back to normal times, as we go through this exit strategy time, humility towards others and God are absolute key and here's why i believe god put this so very close to the beginning of this exit strategy is because it's so vitally important to remember our human bent and our human bent is not to submit to one another it's to pridefully think that everyone else should be taking the same precautions and doing the same things that we are doing we have a tendency our human bent even in the saved condition is to always be drawn back to a place of horrific pride and we've seen this just in the past few days the governor of new york andrew cuomo was quoted uh, saying when he was responding to the number of coronavirus cases in his state going down his response to that was quote god did not do that faith did not do that destiny did not do that we did it our human bent is for pride to creep in exit strategy number one to act in humility towards one another now look, if you will, to verse 8 as we continue on. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all peace who called us to His eternal glory by Jesus Christ after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It's almost as if God is saying to the church of 64 AD, saying to His precious children, saying to His bride, He's saying, even though you've experienced these persecutions that have proved your sonship in my kingdom, you, you've had some wonderful victories, children of God you have been reminded that you were purchased with precious blood you were redeemed with precious blood you've learned about the wonderful instruction of submissiveness submissiveness to authority and employers and things that will make it go well for you you've learned about the different roles of men and women things that will make it go well for you these wonderful wins that have have caused you to be perfected established and settled don't forget church God says that the devil is still your enemy. Bringing us to exit strategy number two, which is simply keep your spiritual guard up. Keep your spiritual guard up. What the church of today has gone through is, again, much similar to what the church of 64 AD, not to the extreme level, but a difficult time, and the devil's tried to stop us, and we have overcome. We've, we've overcome in, in unity and creativity. We've gone through a learning curve of, of using cameras and live stream and all the things that we've got done. The unity that I've been able to build with Travis and Joseph and what we've, as a church family, have gone through together side by side. The way that many of us have learned how to use the Zoom equipment that we have and all the things. It's amazing what we've got. And I can just tell you, even in my own life 
Coming into a church those first few weeks, seeing empty chairs and preaching to an empty room, I really expected my heart to be very discouraged by it. I I expected my preaching to go down, but can I just tell you, church, through this camera, can I just tell you that those weeks as we went through those things and I saw this empty church, there was something inside of me that was like throwing gasoline on fire. I've never experienced something like this in ministry before where I've had this, this passion inside of me to preach the gospel like I've never preached it before before this zeal that god has put in this has been a wonderful win that we will reach people that we will obey the gospel that we will carry out the great commission we've had some wonderful wins make no mistake the church our church is being perfected established and settled and not only that but that has happened in our marriages marriages in many of the church and 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 relationships with families and children and parents and, and, and wonderful things. Hopefully your story also is that, that you have overcome or are in the process of overcoming. God has put a magnifying glass on many marriages exposing weak points that husbands and wives are able to side by side work on together. And, and can I just ask you the question, dear friends in church, do you think the devil likes that the church is being strengthened? That marriages are being strengthened and will honor the Lord. That children are spending time with their parents and honoring. Do you think the devil likes any of those things? Keep your spiritual guard up. As we exit out of this situation, keep your spiritual guard up. Many of us have been like Jehoshaphat and his army. When after God slaughtered the army and, and Josephat and, and his army goes up and, and they take the precious jewelry and the spoils off of the dead bodies, the very thing that called the, caused them fear and anxiety, that caused them much worry, they were taking these precious things off of this thing that they thought would be their very disaster. And many of us have been the same way. We've collected these wonderful pieces, these wonderful things of instruction that God has given us as we've gone through this and, and we've become stronger together. The devil will try to steal those things, church. And I'll just tell you now, I'll tell you exactly how he'll try to steal those things. He'll try to steal those things with busyness. With busyness. When things get back to quote-unquote normal, and our lives resume the overrushed pace in which it was going before this coronavirus thing flattened everything, it will be with busyness. And it's already been said in the articles that I'm reading that people who before this coronavirus were attending church two, sometimes even three times a month, there's a very good chance we will never see those people again. Why? Because because the devil has put busyness in front of them, a different schedule in front of them. They've gotten used to doing something else rather than going to church. And I think it's so interesting that the very first piece of instruction that God gives us in talking through this Scripture of of how He's telling us to resist the devil, the very first thing God says is be steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith. So you and I, church, dear friends, we have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Will I let ministry for me individually go back to the way it was of worrying about the building, making sure it looks a certain way, making sure things are set up just perfect for Sunday and making plans and meeting? Am I going to do that? Or will I go back to Will I let it remain the same? Will I, will I keep the treasure? Will I keep my guard up to not let the devil steal the wonderful treasure that God has given me that when I walk in here on Monday morning, I fall on my face and on my knees before God and I worship? 
a precious thing, a gift that God has given me through these trials sometimes. I'm going to keep my spiritual guard up as I exit out of this to maintain the precious thing that God has given me. And us in our individual lives, will we go back to our amazingly rushed pace, running kids around to sports, to work meetings, and, and running so fast that we don't even have time to eat dinner with our families? Will we do that? Will we let the devil pluck that beautiful thing that God has given us, that God's gracious love and mercy has given us in this trial sometime? Will we let the devil take that from us? Or will we keep our guard up in our exit strategy, church? You know, everybody wants things to go back to normal. I'm pretty convinced that there were some things about the old normal that were not good. And this is God's love and work among us, church. It's His love for us to bring us back to what's important. Don't let the devil talk you out of what you're doing. Don't let the devil talk you into anything else. Don't let the devil talk you into... Don't, don't get in the place where you go back to busyness and, and the devil tries to influence you with thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just, we'll, we'll go back to this and, and we'll, we'll have dinner again together as a family next week. And don't let the devil talk you into anything or out of the precious gift that God has given you. There was a man who wanted a, a bare skin coat, a, a fur coat that he wanted to, 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 to shoot a bear and to skin it. He wanted to make his own. He wanted to be inside the waterproof, warm coat, fur of, of a bear. So he grabs his rifle and his bullets and he goes into the woods and he's picking his way along carefully as he goes bear hunting. And he sees a bear. And as he sees the bear, he brings his rifle up to his shoulder and right before he's about ready to pull the trigger, the bear stands up and says, wait a minute, let's be reasonable about this. Let's go up on the road and talk about this together. So the man kind of befuddled, he follows the bear up onto the road. And the bear says, now let's reason together. You want a bear skin coat. All I'm looking for is a meal. And they continue talking and talking and talking. And eventually, that man was inside the skin of a bear and the bear got his meal. <laughs> and some of you will figure out how that's funny a, a day or two from now. What I'm saying, church, don't let the devil talk you into anything. Don't let the devil talk you out of the beautiful thing that God has intended to give you through this time. Keep your spiritual guard up. Exit strategy number one, act in humility towards one another. Exit strategy number two, keep your spiritual guard up. Exit strategy number three, which I'll give you now. See the larger plan at work. See the larger plan at work. 1 Peter chapter 5, now look to verse 11. We read and it says, To Him, capital H being God, to God be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. If, it is, if this verse is true, church, which I believe it is, then the trials that the church of 64 AD experienced in the horrific persecution that they faced, and the trials that you and I have experienced in our culture this coronavirus, those things are not accidents. There is an eternal and glorious dominion called God's kingdom. And as we've seen throughout all of history, biblical text and non-biblical text, as we have seen throughout all history, challenging times will do one of two things. It will push people either away from the cross, away from God, 
away from His Word, away from the church, or it will draw people near to Him. It will be just like it was when Jesus was being crucified and the disciples, they they used to all be around Him, but as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, many of the disciples had fled. They ran away in the Garden of Gethsemane. it, It pushed them away. But there was another disciple named John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was standing there in front of the cross next to Jesus. It drew Him closer. So which will it be for you? Which will it be for me? As I've taken an inventory of the things that God has given me, I've already made my mind that God has given me too many precious gifts in this time to turn back. To, to, to God has given me too much not to act in submissiveness towards people, even if they feel differently about the precautions they'll be taking in the weeks and months ahead. God has given me too much for me not to keep my spiritual guard up, to let the devil steal what God has tried to give me. No, I'm going to keep those things. God has given me a zeal to preach, a deepening of my marriage, a passion to disciple my daughter, a drive to fulfill what it is that God has called me to do what He's put me on the earth to do. I'm not going back Now, I'm going to see the larger plan at work. I'm going to draw close to the cross. A great and commonly quoted verse that's not nearly quoted commonly enough. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know, God is saying to you, He says, For I know, God says, the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope so which will it be for us church which will it be will we draw closer in or will we go farther away will we use this as a wonderful opportunity an invitation that god is giving to you and to me to show people immeasurable grace and patience and kindness around us to keep our spiritual guard up to not let the devil take away the very things that god has intended to give us these precious gifts that God has intended to give us and to see the larger plan of what God is doing. I believe very strongly, as we can see it in Scripture and we've seen throughout the course of history, that in these trials sometimes, God intends to give people beautiful things. And God's children, I've experienced in my own life and so many of you have as well, the wonderful things that God has given us in these trials sometimes. But what about for the non-believers? I believe, too, God intends to give them something beautiful. That in these trials sometimes, as we exit out of these things, to see the larger plan at work that perhaps God could be calling you to repent for the first time. To say in your heart, God, I know that I'm a sinner. There is something in this world that's broken. There's something inside of me that's broken. This sin that drives me, the sin, the greed, the lust that drives me, that drives this world, it's broken. God, forgive me. Forgive me of what I've done. Forgive me of my sin. I trust in You, Jesus. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. And no man comes into the Father except by you it was your sacrifice on the cross that should have been mine i believe that god could be calling people i I know i know god is calling people to repent for the first time and to trust him would you do that this morning if you've never done that would you do that today would you get on your knees in your living room in your home would you repent for the first time would you would you put your faith not in yourself not in your works 
you can't be good enough. On your best day, you're still pretty rotten, just like me. We need Jesus. We need one to take our place. Let's pray together. Father, it's a wonderful thing that you've done. It's a wonderful thing that you're doing and will continue to do. Father, keep us steadfast in these days. Help us to keep our guard up. God, give us, give us patience and kindness towards those that are around us. Give us the exit strategy that's your strategy as we leave and as we exit out of these difficult times. There, there will be more persecution that comes. There will be more trials that come later in time. But for this moment, God, help us to see what it is that you're doing in our lives. Help us to see what it is that you intend. The good, the good things, the not plans for evil, but the plans to prosper us. Those things that you intend to give us. Would you give us the spiritual eyes to see them? And give us the fortitude to keep them. Recognizing what it is that you... Recognizing that the devil will use busyness to try and take these beautiful things away. We love what you've done, God. We love what you're doing. We love what you will do. And we put our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I'm so very glad that you've been able to be a part of this podcast or part of the YouTube or whenever, however it is that you're watching this. Uh, we certainly do give you the invite to be with us on Sunday mornings in our parking lot at 1045 for a drive-in service. We've been having a great time. We certainly hope to see you there. Uh, tithes and offerings can be received through our website or by mail. Uh, if you have any questions at all, any concerns, or if you have any needs that need met uh, in these times as we go through the exit of this great trialsome time, uh, please reach out to the church. We'd love to be a blessing to you and your family and our community. God bless you as you go today.